One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Rick Shields podcast, everybody. Episode 19. Can you believe that? No. I actually, no, genuinely can't. I feel like when we started this... We thought let's let's do as many as we can, but we're here at episode eighteen. Thanks so much for tuning in. The last episode was an absolute roaring success. We enjoyed it enormously, and uh, the clips that we use on the YouTube channel—if you're not subscribed to the second YouTube channel—the clips and the comments on that are fantastic. It's the one thing I miss with the podcast is comments, mm. and we obviously get loads of emails. I know you've got a few there today, and we've got the Rick Shields Podcast Facebook group. But actually seeing comments on YouTube on the second channel is so good because yeah. uh, there's quite a lot of interesting ones about Jack Ham. There was, and all we really, this is what we require of people, it's not a big ask, is ask us questions with the most clickbait words and stuff possible. So then we can use them in the podcast and then do short clips for the second channel that will get views. It's all we need. It's easy as that. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, we felt <laughs> was like a legal legal statement there. No words were mentioned about Jack M that was not false about Jack M. And Jack M has not rung me 20 times asking me loads of different things. And anyway, that's in the past. We're in a new week. Got loads of exciting things to talk about. We've got one of the leading golfers in the world who is contracted with a certain brand mm. as um, very controversially taken all of the golf clubs out of the bag from what we've seen. We've got loads of questions. We've got a new listener of the week, which is a fantastic Very listener of the week this week. week. A guy that I actually know, uh, but his story is fantastic. We've got loads of questions coming in. And we had some new videos that dropped this week. I'm trying to think where we're up to now. So we we did Jack Ham. Then we did the range practice session, yeah, which went down great. We did. Um, and then we did How I Play Golf. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all that's been uploaded since the new podcast has gone live. The How I Play Golf one has done better than I expected. But you know what I noticed? I was recently, I brought in that book the day, the Tiger Woods How I Play Golf book, and then we titled our video How I Play Golf. And I actually didn't realise that we'd done that, but did you know? We'd, have we just used it, there's something in the back of our brain, we're thinking of that book, and well, we've it, called it, a bit of a contrast, Tiger Woods How I Play Golf was a really good book, but now there's a video of Rick Shields How I Play Golf. <laughs> Imagine if more people have watched my video compared to read people who read his book. Probably have, That's actually. That's quite a scary fact. Weirdly. It's one of my favourite books growing up. Mm. Uh, well, it was as simple as it was showing you how I play golf <laughs> over three holes. Mm. The good, the bad and the ugly. Um, it was okay. Uh, so thanks so much for the support and love on that video. Um, we've got some new cool ones. We've actually been on a rampage of um, 
recording new videos this week because the weather's been okay the last few days here in Manchester after horrendous weather of all the storms. And today it's a beautiful day, so this short podcast might be slightly shorter than normally scheduled because I'm going out this afternoon shooting another class idea of a video with a guest. It's a love-hate when it's good weather because the good part of it is that we can go out on film and get good YouTube videos done. The bad part of the good weather is we have to go out on film, we can't play darts. <laughs> and we can't do the podcast. Yeah, my darts... I, when we first started doing like darts, we won't talk about it too much. I know a lot of people aren't interested in darts. But when we started bringing up darts in probably podcast five or six, we were very level. And if you want to put it into golf handicap terms, we were both probably 26. We could break 100 if you want to call it that, but we weren't great. Well, we couldn't break 100. We weren't very good, let's put it that way. I'd honestly say now, me versus you, I'm off 14, you're off 20. Wow. So I've only come down four shots? You've got the ability to come down more, but you're not consistent enough. You can't do doubles, which I'd say is the equivalent of not being able to put. Yeah, you can is. drive it. You always yeah. got Rick Shields got a big drive on him. He's got a hundred. He's got a two ninety drive. So it's like he's got a hundred in the locker on the dartboard. But when it comes to finishing off, you can't finish your dinner. <laughs> that is true. I'd, I'd be four putting, five putting every single green, and sometimes mm. I literally just can't get it in the hole or can't get it in the double. Uh, yeah, so the darts guys definitely uh, <clears throat> took this kind of opportunity to brag a little bit about his darts prowess at the moment because he is office champion there's four of us in here and and it's undisputed guy at the moment is office champion he actually had a sorry i feel like my throat's a bit croaky he had a 12 dart finish on 301 yesterday which for real darts players is probably horrendous but in this office i am the man (laughs) i'm the go-to guy um it's all that practice i feel like i've got a bit of a strut as i walk in the office now morning morning lads (laughs) bouncing it's getting to the point where no one's even wanting to challenge you anymore the the other three of us are challenging um each other more than they are challenging you but anyway it's good to talk a bit about darts again um we're not going to talk about john robbins today guy no, so so I feel like the John Robbins phase, it's slowly dwindling. No, it's not really. I'm still <laughs> really into John Robbins at the minute. I'll give it another two weeks. I also saw a comment on Facebook, actually, when I asked about the question. Somebody said they'd not heard me mention running much. So was I still running? I am still running. Um, not as much as I was, probably three a week at the minute, three, five Ks a week. It was not daily. Um, but I will let people know when I've quit. Again, okay. give that another month or so. Guy goes in and out of... Uh phases quite heavily as well, i do to be fair as most you're quite into phases as well um but i i'm almost i don't get quite as invested as you but i get out quicker yeah you're I'm in, in out. i'm in you're out. i don't get quite as invested and i'm kind of out again um so should we talk about justin rose first yeah but i've got a really quick question for you that for interested it. me that i saw on the podcast facebook group that if you're not a member of why not join yeah. it it's free to do so. Um, <laughs> There's probably too many members in there at the moment. I just want to hear. I just want to clarify something for all the fourteen thousand members we've got in there. I do read everything. I just don't always get a chance to reply to everything. Imagine all the notifications I get on that group are outrageous. So I, I do read everything. I like as much as I can, but I can't reply to everyone. But one of the questions so was, and actually, it actually caused a lot of engagement, and I can't find it now. It doesn't matter. Basically, somebody was asking. What would your handicap be? Now, they understood the fact you were a PGA pro, so therefore you don't have a handicap, etc. But what would it be? And I thought it was a good question to start off with. And also, it gives us uh, ammo for a, a clip on YouTube. So I'm going to start it now. I'm going to ask you. So the clip will start now. So, Rick, what would your handicap be? I've been asked this question a lot. What would your handicap be if you had a handicap right now? It's a great question. One that was actually recently asked in the Facebook <laughs> podcast group. It was. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're not following that. Um, 
it's an interesting one, isn't it? You've probably seen me play golf more than anybody in the mm. world over the last few years, uh, apart from people watching, but you get to see everything. Um, I, first off, I honestly can't remember the last time I played 18 holes of golf. With a scorecard. With a scorecard. Yeah. When would it have been? I feel like there was there was one... Honestly, I can't remember. I don't play in competitions anymore. Pro-ams, you don't play properly. <clears> I don't really play pro-ams. Yeah, the pro-ams that I play, like the, the BMW Wentworth and stuff, I'm not the pro. I'm like one of the amateurs, so it's <clears throat> in that format. L- well, let's go through a couple of things. First off, as you mentioned, when you turn pro, you lose your handicap. So as soon as you're a professional golfer, you no longer have a handicap to your name. So you effectively, you're off scratch. So me playing against Tiger Woods, as daft as this sounds, he plays off scratch, I play off scratch. We should, therefore, have a level match. But as you all know, watching, that's not really true. Because until everybody turned professional, everybody had a handicap they played at. Now, I turned professional when I was 19. I was off three handicap. Kind of coming down, though. I was having a good season. I was coming down. I probably would have got to two or maybe even one. And then once I turn professional, you have to do a playing ability test, which is fairly straightforward. Two rounds of golf, you've got to shoot under 15 over. Once you've done that, then you no longer have your handicap. Mm-hmm. You are a professional golfer. You compete, can compete professionally to win prize money, and you can no longer play in amateur events. So that was when I was 19. I honestly think now I'm a... I'm a Don't tell me what you think handicap will be just yet. I want you to, when you're ready, write in your notes. I'm going to write what I think yours would be, and we show each other. Okay. Okay, so carry on. So in with that in mind, so that was 19. I was playing off three. I honestly believe now every single part of my game is better than when I was 19. Mm-hmm. Every part. I drive it better. I hit my irons better. I wedge it mm, so-so. Probably about the same. And I put better about the same. So in theory, I actually think I'm a better golfer now yeah but would my handicap represent that are you a better scorer that's the difference no have you got a number written down well let me explain okay so if if hypothetically if hypothetically someone said now rick you're an amateur again you're going to go and join a golf club Mm -hmm. and every week you're going to play in two competitions right okay every saturday and every wednesday i think by the end of the year i would be off maybe one or two. Mm-hmm. Right now, if I went out and played 18 holes, I know for a fact that I'm probably not likely to shoot under par. Mm-hmm. But I also don't ever think I'm now, if I'm playing quite relaxed, I'm ever going to shoot over 80. So I would say my handicap, realistically, is... You ready? So show me your phone after three, and I'll show you what I put for your handicap. Give me a second, let me just write it again. Okay. One, two, three... Oh, I was, wow. I was generous. So Guy has said two handicap. Yeah. Which he sees a lot of me. I've said 4.6 handicap. I like I went for 4.6. Because that's like five, but really I know I'm deep down with four. The reason I went for two was because you've got a treble bogey in your locker. Yeah. But in club comps with like Stableford, you've got birdies and eagles in your locker as yeah, well. Yeah. So I think if you were playing, I know it wouldn't happen, but if you're just playing stroke play comps, potentially that score handicap four or five, if you're playing like most club comps are, Stableford week in, week out, the odd stroke play, I think you'd be probably lower than you think. Yeah, if, so, if literally someone said to me right now, go and play golf with a scorecard in your hand and said, with your life depends on it, mm-hmm. you can have a handicap <clears throat> to shoot level par, what would you go with? I'd probably go for four or five right now, right yeah, this yeah. moment in time. But I know it's 
I can shoot under par. Like even when I played Pete in the golf builder challenge last year and beat him at round Walburn, I was like two or three under par with second hand clubs. Like mm-hmm. <clears throat> I can play good golf, but as Guy mentioned, I've also got some bad holes in there. I'm much better at match play. I think I'm a much better match play player because, again, if I have double bogey, triple bogey, it doesn't matter. If I played a lot right now, if I if I hypothetically did Quest for the Open again, I think I could get start getting some good scores. And when I was doing Quest for the Open a couple of years ago, I did shoot in competition a few times under par, just not regularly enough. And as you might have listened to a podcast a few episodes ago when I had the worst time ever playing golf at Lumina in Spain when I played in that pro-am, that was a, a very different side of me. That was more... I expected in my mind to still shoot a good score, but forgot that I've not played competitive golf for six months. But the thing is, though, as bad as those rounds were, as a club golfer, certainly in the UK with our handicap system as it stands, you'd have got point two back, yeah, point both. one for the back first one, Correct. point one for the second. You then go out and shoot a, a three over par yeah. the next round, you and go you're back under par. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You, you lose point two again. So to answer everyone's question, Guy said two, I said five. So let's settle on three and a half, roughly. First, yeah, that's not bad. That that clip can end there. That, there that's go. a Thanks clip. So. Thanks for everyone that's listening on the podcast audio for that little bit of. Um... And if you want to go and have your opinion on what my handicap is, go and jump over to the Rick Shields Golf Show YouTube channel and leave a comment down there. Yes, um, because that's actually the first time as well. You'll see that our set is slightly falling apart. It wasn't great to start with. No, it was slightly very... getting worse. There's big holes appearing in this foam stuff that doesn't really do anything but looks all right, and now it's starting to. Fall apart. I don't understand how it is though. So on the wall in the studio, we've set up like a little podcast corner. <clears throat> um, we didn't spend a lot of money. I went on Amazon. I bought some of these squared, inflatable—not inflatable, are they? Squishy. You expanded though. Yeah, expanded squishy pads that are supposed to be for for better audio, for sound dampening on the wall. I think in theory, supposed to cover the whole wall. We kind of did it with decoration, a bit of a pattern behind me and Guy. Uh, with black and red, <clears throat> a bit of the colours of the channel, but now gaps are starting to emerge. And I don't understand why, because I've stuck them up with commando strips, so they shouldn't really move. But either way, I think we should I think we should look at getting a new set. We've actually spoke to, won't say his name, but we spoke to somebody who might give us an opportunity to film and record our podcast in a professional mm. podcast studio which could be exciting. But we don't know if that's going to work out yet or not. Otherwise, we're just going to buy a bigger place, get an amazing podcast corner, and actually have it legit. I miss the old podcasts, the old ones on a shoebox. Before it was filmed, just me and you. They were the glory days. Episodes 1 to 16. <laughs> then it all started to go downhill. And, started uh-huh. to get all professional with all cameras and produce and everything else. But hopefully you guys are still enjoying it. Justin Rose. <clears throat> it's mad isn't it you did a what's in the bag with him in i think february of 2019 january february it was filmed in february last yeah last year and he was hummed up to the eyeballs wasn't he yeah it's i think he had it. a few clubs in there still that were tailor-made like, like a three wood, three wood yeah. and an axis putter yeah. which is not honma but he actually had at the time a honma driver i think i'm sure he did, he did 100%. and honma irons and it was the big story that he'd gone to honma and i think obviously a lot of hardcore golfers would have heard of honma before the known for the kind of expensive line of golf clubs very big obviously over in Asia but it was obviously a very clever decision by Honma who wanted to break into the European marketplace which you see now so you actually see Honma in like American golf and kind of more just general retailers so their idea as far as I believe was to sign a I think he was actually world number one at the time at the time he'd finished 2018 as world number one he hadn't played yet in 2019 it was his first outing when I managed to bag an opportunity to do a what's in the bag with him and he was still world number one well bar obviously a tiger Rory 
possibly a DJ, Rose, and certainly when he was world number one, you couldn't really get much bigger of signing than that. That's oh, huge. So that was their way of, of, of he's saying... He's been in the top 10 in the world for, for forever, anyway, really. 15 years or something. Crazy. So that was the way of Honma saying to the Western world, we are Honma, this is who we are. Um, part of the story I remember was that he was signing with them, I'm sure, for loads of money, but also because he wanted to have more of an input into designing the clubs. I'm never sure how much I believe that, truth be told. Yeah, there was um, rumours in the fact, let's look at, Ta- he was with Taylor May before he went to Honma, let's look at their stable of players, Tiger, Rory, DJ, whoever else is in that me- mix. Jason Day. Jason Day. And I think he felt like he possibly deserved, you know, when Rory was getting prototype irons, yeah. and Tiger was getting prototype irons, and DJ... Rose was probably like, well, come on, guys. Like, I've been with you the longest. I've been unbelievably loyal to TaylorMade and I possibly now feel like I'm not first, second, or maybe even third in the pecking order. But surely if Justin Rose, who's at TaylorMade, walks into the tow truck or goes to Carlsbad and says, I want a little bit shaved enough to tow on the six iron, they're going to do it. They're like going to say, say go and buy a set from American Golf. Yeah, like, that might just be a rumor. A, I think that's part of this nice story, yeah. isn't it? It's like a nice story to say that Honmarie gets what he wants. But last week at the Honda Classic, I believe, he was seen with a bag of, as far as I can see, I've got a note here, not a single Honda club in the bag. Which is crazy. Because he's, he's still, from everything I understand, did he have, have a Honda bag? I think he had a Honda bag. Um, obviously, it wasn't ball. I think he was, was it 12 clubs? It wasn't the full 14 he was signed. It might have been 10 even. Yeah, it, was it might have been 10 or 12. It was double figures. Often when you'll see brands, ping are quite different. Ping are actually, every club in the bag has to be ping. When you go for ping, obviously don't make a ball so you can sign with whoever ball yeah. you want. Tailor made, often it's all, everything. They're trying that unless you're Tiger and, <laughs> with, yeah, with DJ and everyone else. You've got to use everything. But other brands have been a little bit more flexible. And certainly, if you're going after a big name signing, you would give them the luxury of saying, "Well, I want to sign you," but really, I, realistically, I know that putter that you've used for two hundred whatever yeah. two hundred rounds of golf. I'm not going to take that out of your bag. Yeah. And that was where like Tiger with Tailor made. Justin Rose went with probably a similar deal, 10, 12. They were probably looking to get 14 clubs in the bag. But where we're getting to here, he was spotted not using one single Honma item in his Honma tour bag. Wow. So I've got a list here of what I found online. I think there was one other club that we weren't sure of, but he's got the TP5 ball in there. So although, again, Honma make a golf ball. I'm not that surprised. Yeah. Got the Axis one putter, again. Been using that for ages, so not surprised. This is where it gets a bit funny, though. She's got Vokies, TaylorMade, and even, I think, a Wilson wedge in the bag from one image I've seen, but definitely Vokies and TaylorMade wedges. So no Honma wedges whatsoever. He's got the P730 irons, TaylorMade again. So no um, Honma irons, which... Honma irons are really nice. I'm surprised he's taken them out of the bag. He then had a Cobra Speed Zone 5 wood, weirdly. A Sim Max tailor-made three-wood, and then a Sim driver, obviously, again, tailor-made. So he's got a mixed bag, which a lot of guys are going for, and not even a Honma iron. I'm just going to double-check. Someone sent me an image of this yesterday. Was it I'm different what you've seen? No, 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 it was. It was uh, Weirdly, there was an image of a Wilson wedge in his yeah, bag. Thought, yeah. But I don't know if that looked like... Had, Might be a training aid. At or... the time, it looked like he had too many clubs in his bag at that point. Just I like know me. sometimes players like a really heavy, weird club that might be. I don't know. Yeah, he has a. Water oh no, the image. No, so, oh yeah, the image I've got. He's got a, looks like a sixty degree Wilson staff wedge in his bag. Uh, lots of tailor made. Uh, unfortunately, this picture doesn't have a the bag, but I'm presuming he's going to be using a, a Honma golf bag. So what the hell has gone on there? Like that is 
That's so interesting. Well, what's he's his got royal to ranking be contracted. Now? I'll have a look. He's one hundred percent. He's got to be contracted. It's not going to be a one-year deal with Honma. He's also played already this year using Honma irons and clubs. So it's not as if it was January to January. Now it's collapsed. You know what has gone on? One of the stories were when he did sign to Taylor May, uh, to Honma that one of the uh, chief executives who kind of originally got signed with him with Taylor May did actually move over to Honma. Um, so there was a, already a point of contact over there. Has something happened there as that guy moved on? These are all speculations, by the way. You know what I think is weird with this? I can see almost two ends to the spectrum. So in one way, every single brand now, now the major manufacturers, make amazing golf clubs. So you can go to any of those brands as a consumer and go and get a great set of ping, great set of Titleist, tailor-made Callaway, Mizuno, etc. So... You could argue, and certainly for tour pros who get things tweaked as well, that they can go to any brand and get any set of clubs. It shouldn't really make a difference. That's the first way of looking at it. So Justin Rose could tell me ping tomorrow, they can make him what he wants. Mizuno, make him what he wants. On the other side of the coin, the complete flip of that is that these guys are the most hyper-perceptive people when it comes to having a golf club in the hand. I remember a story at Nike that um, Tiger put a blade down, a three iron, and he could tell a toe was one millimetre longer than his previous set. Where that's shown, I don't know, but what I'm getting at is these pros are the most perceptive people ever. So you could argue, well, if those Honmas are slightly different to his tailor-made, he's going to know about it, he's playing for millions of dollars, he wants what he wants. So it's which which is it? That's what I'm, it's. A lot of golfers have like when Rory first signed with Nike, went down the pan, and then obviously came back up again. It must make a big difference. But then why do they want to? Oh yeah, they're getting paid millions, but why do they want to risk that just for one paycheck where they could win major after major or at least compete? Yeah, it's a very good point. I think money definitely comes into it. I think relationships come into it. I think feeling like you're, you know, you are the the golden child in that, you know, the golden. Mm-hmm nugget in that team as well you know i do honestly think that i think one of the big things again looking at taylor may they've got so many superstars now was it the fact that rose was just not feeling like a superstar there anymore with all of the other you know it's just just thinking back when i actually did that what's in the bag with him he actually came off the back of winning the first event of the year with Honma clubs in the bag and almost the speculation was like squashed because everyone was thinking oh why is he you know he's world number one why is he swapping clubs this that and the other i think he won at pebble beach um, it was, it was the week before he won with all the Honda in the bag, everyone was like oh it's great, he's winning, he's still going to and then from that point really hopefully not from the what's in the bag video <laughs> but from that point he didn't have a great year last year, you know, what has he ranked now? He's 13, he's, he's still not but he's gone from not 1 from, to yeah, 13 exactly. and that's, you know, that is quite a big drop I wonder, it's interesting I, I'm intrigued to know if it'll last I think something will come out in the woodworks there's no smoke without fire the saying says so if there's if there's clubs that have come out of the bag there's a reason for it and I think we'll only know very soon what has actually gone on another analogy I've got actually I'm not going to name names or brands but I know of a, I don't know of but I heard a story and it's, it's true about a footballer that was paid or soccer player for people in America that was paid to wear a certain brand of football boots and after a while, they decided that actually they were, they were under contract, decided they're not going to bother with them anymore, they're not comfortable, and they went to wear another brand. But the brand that he should have been wearing were going to take it up legally because we're paying somebody to endorse our boots and he's not wearing them. But then actually they decided not to because that whole news story would have made such a more bad PR for the said brand 
that they decide to let it go. So I'm not suggesting for one second that's happened here, but if it has and Rose said, you know what, I'm not using these anymore, Holman might, I doubt they will, they might just go, you know what, let's just quietly walk away from this because if they want to take it to court or whatever, how bad would that sound when he turns around and says, if he did, again, allegedly or whatever, but if he said, I couldn't perform with this brand as well as I wanted to, that's a bad story for any brand, whether it be football boots or golf clubs. So that's something that's interesting. Mm. We'll find out what happens. You ready for some good news? Some yes. nice news. Go on. So, listener of the week. For those okay. people that are new, or those people that listen week in, week out religiously, listener of the week is something to be held in high regard, I think. There's only ever been 19 of them. Yeah. And do you know, I'm going to quiz you now, do you know the criteria for listener of the week? They've got to email podcast at rickshields.com. Correct. They've got to start it with hi, Guy, and hi, Rick. They've got to make sure they are subscribed to the podcast. They've yeah. left a review on the podcast. They follow the Facebook page. They're a subscriber of both YouTube channels. They follow me on Twitter. They follow me on Instagram. They follow me on TikTok. Um, That's it. Okay. You make it sound easy. It is easy. And then send a, an incredibly detailed uh, email yeah. of why you should be listener of the week exactly that and there's the odd occasion where if it's a ridiculous email you can be a vip listener so we've had a couple of those so far obviously ed brown was the first ever and he's he's the man in he we've got one that's potential for vip wow a couple of things like about this one thing actually is halfway through the email he almost preempts that he's going to get listener of the week because he says this podcast episode will air on the 9th of march i believe so we also, like, it's kind of new that he was going to get chosen, which is, is quite brave, but I like it. So, hi, Guy and Rick. Obviously, big tick. Uh, before I get into it, actually, he did screenshot everything. So everything you said, he follows, he likes, even down to TikTok, which is pretty dedicated. Because you're not that active on TikTok at the minute, are you? No, need to get back on there. If you're over the age of 17, you might not want to go on TikTok. But anyway, so, hi, um, Guy and Rick. I thought I'd email you to say I'm a big fan of Rick's. As you can see, I have the screenshots to prove it, as well as a video. My first ever par with Rick. So this is from John Carr. Oh, yeah. You must. Was it a playing lesson? Yeah, it was at um, Burnley Golf Club. Yeah. The one, two, fourth hole. Okay. Has he said any of this? I've watched the video before and I saw him. Fourth hole. Eight foot put or something. Yeah, I can't quite remember. I think he, obviously, two shots on the green or three shots on the green. I had a little late footer. I was recording on my phone. I was like, come on, John, because he, <laughs> he lives in Scotland, John. Came down for a lesson, and uh, it was just like a moment. There was nobody around. It was a beautiful, sunny day, and he got his par, and it was like, that's class. His that reaction is. was phenomenal. So he said um, he came for a three-hour lesson, and then he obviously went on the course. He it was a great day. He also came along to YouTube Golf Day, um, and he said, you'll also notice that Rick follows uh, me on Twitter. And that's something you've been doing a lot more recently. You've been following more people on Twitter, people that retweet stuff. And let's make Twitter a nicer place to be. So well, that's, that's our mission. Yeah. If you um, retweet, if you get the podcast link to this and tweet it, Rick may follow you back. Um, so we got into golf when he was about 10 or 11. Um, and uh, unfortunately, due to having to get his parents to drive him um, back and forth to the golf course, the membership's been really expensive. He had to give up after a few years. Um, but then he got back into golf, got onto YouTube, and then he found Rick and he was hooked, which is a story we hear quite a lot. And it's great to see that once again. Uh, it was easy to understand and it was simple. Um, but then he says that, as he said, this podcast will air on the 9th of March, I believe, um, which is the very special day for him because it'll be 30 years since he had a heart transplant. Wow. 
So he was um, only five years old, and he was um, born with a major heart. Well, he was born with a major heart defect. Um, he said it was eight defects in total. His heart was on the wrong side of his body, and it had two holes in it. Um, he had an operation in London, and he still goes down every six months for checks. That was yeah, I feel like I remember ago. him telling me this when he came for a lesson. It's crazy. Um, he said, I lead a normal life now, and he keeps great health. Um, he said, even though this is a very happy day for me, I also like to remember the little boy who was five from Belgium that lost his life. Um, and in doing so, he gave, I think, obviously it was his heart, and mm. um, he lives on with him. So that's a really cool, you know, story. Um, and I've seen, obviously, John quite a lot tweet you, and he's in the, I think he's in the Facebook group as well. So. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What a, what a cool story. So what a very a lot, cool John. story. No, he's really nice, John. Like I say, John lives in Scotland. He had a, a coach company. Unfortunately, I think he might have run into trouble recently, but hopefully he's got back up on his feet and it's nice to hear that he's doing well. Um, yeah. That's a good story, wasn't it? Very nice story. Coincidentally, 9th of March is also a memorable day for me. Why's that? I actually met my wife on the 9th of March. Did you? Mm. So it's, I think we've been courting... <laughs> Sorry, granddad. Uh, let me think. How many years has it been? What are we on? 2013. 2000, it's 2020. Uh, we have been courting for 14 years or 13 years. Courting? Yeah. 
Yeah. Anyway, married for seven. Chris asks, are budget clubs worth the savings? Talk to me. Interesting one. Budget clubs. I think there's a couple of ways that you can look at this. Budget clubs can either be secondhand, mm-hmm. who you might have been premium three or four years ago, and now they've come into a budget lineup because they're a lot cheaper, or budget actual sets. We obviously bought a budget set recently from Costco, Callaway Edge Clubs, which someone has won that, by the way. Let me just confirm that. Uh, but the person who won it didn't want to be announced because he wants to surprise his brother with the clubs. That's a cool story. So uh, they have been shipped. Um because they're going on a golf holiday. So budget clubs, as you saw in that video, it depends on what you're getting. Because I have seen, over the years, terrible budget clubs, I'm honest. Mm -hmm. But I do honestly think, as well, now they've got better. They've got... The budget clubs have actually got better. Certainly if you're going to go for a brand that has got some credibility inside of golf, like Callaway. We bought a £70 Slazenger set recently. We might be looking at buying another set soon. Um... That type of budget set does really well. Mm-hmm. I think where budget comes in is when it's when it's a non-branded budget club, particularly, and the the shaft is often yeah. very very um, whippy and soft, whippy and soft and gluey. A lot, of gl- a lot more glue than graphite. A lot yeah, of time. it's like they're just not very rigid, so that that actually hinders your performance. And when you hit a shot off it and, and it actually dents the metal and the club, <laughs> that's when it's no good. So I think you've just got to be realistic when you're looking at a budget set. I do things like uh, obviously things like golf bidder with have second hand clubs that they sell. You know, if you can pick up a driver or a set of clubs that are five six years old. It's still going to cost you a little bit of money, maybe three to five hundred pounds. As you've seen some of the challenges me and Pete do, which, by the way, are coming back this year, and it is the finale, the final ever golf bidder challenge, will be coming around April time. Um, but you can you can pick up a decent set for that, and actually, if you play about with it, you know, if you can if you can be clever with budget sets, it works. So, what was the original question? It was well, that's it. Is it really worth the savings? But it's a tough one because. Everything you've said there makes sense. But at the same time for Chris, it's kind of, it depends on who you are. So if you're an absolute new golfer who has stumbled upon YouTube or watched the Masters and thought, you know what, that golf looks all right, actually. I'm going to go and get a set of clubs. Then go to a retailer and spend 100 quid and get some to get out on the golf course. But if Chris is, um, it depends on how much you... you Value. Exactly. Because yeah. if he's a 10 handicapper, let's just say, plays in club comps and wants to win and compete... If he buys a set that's 100 quid versus a set that's five grand, let's just say, there's going to be performance differences. Yeah, because whether that's part. worth it to him, yeah. if, he, if he wants to save £4,900 and have a conservatory or extend the house, then that's more worth it. But if he wants to be the best player of his mates and it means everything to him, then... Yeah, that's a good so point. It's, it's, it's hard so to answer like in a way, the RBZ Black I tested yeah. against what was it, Sim. So what was the price of that one? Uh, £150. Versus four, Well, yeah, about 400, 400, whatever. And it was like 11 yards difference. So, yeah. But depends who you speak yeah. to. Like, if you honestly spoke to me, 11 yards is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, Like, cool. I would potentially pay that extra money because I want I want my absolute, because I'm a professional golfer. I play golf for, well, don't play golf for a living, but I want to make sure that I'm maximising my potential if you're a weekend golfer and not that bothered and you're just going to go on a golf holiday then yeah budget exactly. club is perfect for that that's a it's a good question good answer it's a topic that i think people always want to make sure and i understand this obviously that they're spending the money in the right way correct and there comes a point in golf which you touched on actually with the john robbins podcast he said about headphones were like you can pay a 10 pound putter is it going to be any it's going to be worse than a £100 putter for feel, for maybe durability, etc. The grip might not be on quite straight. 
But then a, a £600 Scotty isn't really going to be any better than the £100 putter. But if you want it and that's your money, buy it. Yeah. Another yeah. question. What about... Um, okay, I'm just thinking. Oh, this is a good one. So it's from Chris Morgan. Hey, loving the pod. Um, as you've both played for a long time, what would you class as your favourite club of all time, the one that you've ideally owned so ever? Probably fairly straightforward answer, Odyssey 2-Ball. Mm. The original Odyssey 2-Ball, uh, and remember when it first came out, everyone was like, whoa, what is that? Like It was quite garish. Yeah. Nobody really liked it. Nobody really used it. It suddenly became super, super popular. Everybody wanted them. Everybody couldn't get hold of them because they were really hard to get hold of at the time. They were expensive at the time, probably about £150 or roughly around that mark. And I just remember them being so unbelievably desirable. Certainly the time when Callaway had brought out the Rule 35 ball and the ball urethane cover was the same as the putter cover. um, And everyone just wanted them and suddenly I managed to get hold of one. Um, I think I maybe got one second hand. I might have got it for new, but it was the original, original one. White hot on the heel. White hot on the heel. It was just sensitive sensational so if i'm honest i still if you ask me on i'm sure if, if you gave me two days to think of that answer i'd probably think of a different club but right now right off the top of my head the odyssey two ball original which i've still got one right now yeah. at home which i'm very proud to have one good club i had a two ball blade yeah still yeah. it wasn't as nice weirdly but no. i don't know why i bought it but i did it took me ages to get one i wanted one as a kid so badly never got one eventually bought the blade um, I think my favourite club ever, though, not necessarily, sounds to the answer this, but not necessarily, out of all the clubs I've had, it's not my favourite looking back, but at the time, I've never loved a golf club as much. And it was a Scotty Cameron Pro Platinum, and it was one of the three red dots on the heel, and it was... You a, have a, a head cover. Yeah. You have the pitchfork. Yes, I did. I used to put gun oil on it as well, and the nice. to keep it nice. Nice. And I got it secondhand, obviously didn't get it new, I think about 100 and something pound at the time, but... I absolutely idolised that golf. I cleaned it. I used to play it in my bedroom all the time. Then I went through a phase of uh, using my mum's nail varnish remover, taking the paint out and then repainting it different <laughs> colours. I was like obsessed with it. It was like a, it was a bizarre relationship to have with a golf club. It was borderline love, and that was a phase that lasted a long time actually. Wow. Um, but I think a low. How did you get rid of it? I think it was, one of those, it was one of those phases where then I got into when mallets became million. There was the tailor-made Rosser Monza and all these different putters. And it was like, I love this Scotty, but it's not the easiest putter to actually use. So I think I probably swapped it for something, traded it in, maybe for another two-ball, actually. Do you, do you think if you asked most golfers who have played for a long time, the answer would be putters? I think so. Putter I or feel, driver. Yeah, I just feel like there's weird like relationship you try and forward with a putter. I think it's because... We well, use it every hole. Use, yeah. And there's something about that. In order to sound silly, this, but no matter how good a drive you hit, if I'm playing you in a match play and I outdrive you by 12 yards, here we go. <laughs> and then we both hit the green or whatever. Most times, not always, but most times to actually win the hole and put it to bed, even if I'm three shots ahead, it has to be the putt, doesn't it? And I don't know something about that relationship with that's the ball, that's the, the club that ends the hole and ends yeah. the round. And I don't know, like you said, there's something about a putter. It's like. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Because even even if you absolutely smash a driver, someone could outdrive you. Yeah, someone, but you could hold a putt, and nobody else could hold that putt. I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but it's it is special. It's got a special connection well, with the putt. Did you see that Matt Fitzpatrick has had Bettinardi build him a new version of his yes? Yeah, and it's literally the exact same. It is, but someone actually 
took a screenshot and zoomed right in. And the groove's not the same. The wrong way around or something. With paint reasons, yeah, I guess. Yeah. I don't think the Yes groove probably did as much as we all believed back 10, 15 yeah, yeah. years ago. They were good putters. Oh, so good. But the Cali. I, I, I that had the one Cal- that he had. Whatever he's got now, I, I had. Well, there was Cali, which is like the answer. I, I don't think his is Cali. Whatever is Tracy 2, was it? Tracy. There was a Tracy and a Tracy 2. Remember the triangle one, though, yeah. as well? Yeah. What Barry Taylor had that for years. Um... I can't remember, but it was really, really pointy triangle, yeah, wasn't it? Was, it? I'm going to have to have a look now. Um, but that's the thing with a putter. It's like you build a relate. Was a driver, you could get a driver after a new couple of seasons, but a putter, I think most people, and uh, a lot of golfers have two putters, don't they? Yeah. There was Sophia. Yeah. There was Marilyn. I don't remember that one. Tiffany. I feel like I don't remember that one either. Um, where's that? Where's that? That one? triangle. That's, that's definitely one I had. Let's see this one. Callie. See, I have that, and I had the one that Matt Fitzpatrick's She's got, got. That on a camera as well. That's the putter I had. No, I don't think Fitzpatrick's got that one. No, he's not. He's got the one I had, which has got a round. The neck goes in. I think it's not like that crooked neck. There's this one, which is, I know. Yes, putters he's, work. He's class. got that, but annoyingly, it doesn't have the uh, name on it. That was the. Oh, that's the triangle one, Natalie. Yeah. Oh, there's more of a triangle than that, though. There was yeah, like a really I think great. there was. This one isn't the best if you're just listening on the... So I'll um, try and talk through the putters that Rick's showing. <laughs> if you remember, yes, putters, they were really they had the C-groove technology. It was designed to give you more topspin, um, better roll. But they were really... Probably about 2004, they were massive. Massive. They? 04 to 08 or something. Harold Swash. Yeah. Over in Southport, here in the UK. Uh, it's where really forged kind of <clears throat> Phil Kenyon's kind of uh, love from putting, because I think he used to work for... Uh, that's the triangle one. Yes, that's the one I'm talking the, about. The image isn't great. Sorry about that. Um, Do you remember the grips on them? Like yellow and black. Yeah, it was wrap. It was, it was a, a wind grip, and I think it was yellow, then white, then black, and it had yes on it. I honestly don't even know how we got on this conversation. Um, favourite club. Yes is not one of my favourite clubs, but yeah, anyway. <laughs> are, are you ready for a Nightmare Golf Shot? NGS. <clears throat> An NGS special. I can't remember your theme tune to this. Yeah, that's it's a bit, yeah. I'm sure that's like that was listening of the week originally, and then you've changed it to everything now. It's it's um, what's it's like a cartoon. You said Tom and Jerry last time, but I'm not something like that. Um, so a little disclaimer straight away: we've had loads of emails for Nightmare Golf Shot. It started off being the first tee shot of your round, but we've extended it now because we want more content. If you've got one, email podcast at richshields.com and call it Nightmare Golf Shot, and then tell us your story. But truth be told, they've got to be pretty good because I think we've got two years worth of Nightmare Shots. They have to be good because. Sounds bad. If you just send us a one line, I topped one with a mate at whatever golf club. It's not that good of a story. It needs to be at least like it needs to be. It would Three or four be paragraphs. It needs to be so long that if you send it as a text to your friend, it would be weirdly long. That's how long it needs to be. Do you know what I mean? Like you'd see a thing. Oh my god, what's going on? Like this is a massive WhatsApp to receive. That's how long it has to be. Um, side note, and this sounds a bit stupid as I'm about to say <laughs> That's it. Funny that today's one isn't actually the best. There okay. was some that were better that oh. I might use for future times. But what I liked about this one, it's from Jack. Okay, and he references not Jack Ham. No, Jack Spalling. I think okay. his name is. But um, I just I was worried then. He references himself. I, I was throughout. worried. Sorry, just a quick. I can imagine Jack Ham sending one saying, "I've got a nightmare." Tista. <laughs> one time, I only hit one three ninety. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that sounds let, like Jack. I let everyone down. But this Jack. He references himself throughout it in third person. So it's as if someone else has wrote it on his behalf. And that I like that. So it's not, don't get right, it's not going to be the best story of the day. You're not going to be laughing but in the well car. Written. But it's well written. So he starts off. Summer 2019, Jackie's facing off against his frenemy, which is a friend and enemy in one, which is quite cool. Did you know that, Rick? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, frenemy. Um, frenemy Terry at 
channel feels like a fake name that's used but uh, uh chestnut golf club it's a hot day with temperatures pushing 30 degrees that'll be celsius for anyone in america listening um because that'll be cold if it's in fahrenheit um but with these two on the tee it got a whole lot hotter oh my god is this going to be some sort of uh, sexual novel no <laughs> um erotica golf erotica i think it could be in a minute it's got a very stiff shaft um <laughs> Jack arrived early and hit the range to warm up. He recently spent a lot of time working on his driving, thanks to Rick Shields' golf video. And the flop shot, surprisingly, he's not that bad at that. The moment arrives, Jack being the wannabe pro. The phrase, all the gear, no idea, has never been more meaning, and he tees it up first. A better drive, you'll never see. A high fade, 250 yards, split in the fairway. Game on. I feel like this needs some music behind it. (laughs) Terry's drive is not great. It's hooked left into the first cut. Jack's tail is up. He can smell blood. I don't don't even like that. Innuendo, Jack's tail is up. (laughs) It's a little bit broke back mountain, this. Hole one is a par five. And Jack is just under 300 yards left into the green. Now, obviously, a mere mortal should lay up, reach the green with your third, and aim for a birdie putt, take a par. But surely, with a drive like that, Jack has been blessed by the golfing gods and could reach the green in two. So out comes the three-wood. Dun, dun, dun. A club he usually despises and cannot hit very well at all. But surely today, that doesn't matter. Surely today, it's about to get ripped and will land within five feet of the hole. <laughs> it's not that good, honestly. Don't get excited. This is good. I think you're giving it... I think you, you're The outcome's not amazing. Ten seconds later, and Jack is on his knees. This is getting a bit weird. <laughs> what are you doing, Jack? Jack is on his knees and about 90 yards to his right in a bunch of bushes, nettles, and God knows what, trying to find his golf ball. What the hell? Nine shots later, and he's putted, and he's on his way to his second hole. So he comes off in 11. Model of the story, don't be like Jack. Oh, and throw away your three woods. What do you think? It was well written, wasn't it? It was. It was a story. It was very well written. I want. I kind of want to see it, mate. Uh, that's it there. I just like the way I called himself Jack. He really talks. So, if you want to be, um, if you so want who, your, who won the match? I don't know. He just tells us the first hole. All right. That would have been nice actually. A bit more detail. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Come on, Jack. I want, I want part two now. Out of ten, what are you going to give him? Um, I'm thinking seven and a half. Mm. Use of storytelling was good. The outcome wasn't amazing. Spelt my name right, so he gets extra points there. Uh, I'll give him a rate of methods in school, so B, B plus. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, B, B. Have we got a pen? Yeah, so that's my, an apple. My, pen. My apple. <laughs> B. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so maybe that's the new feature as well. We can actually you can start rating the nightmare golf shots, the NGS. So if you want your NGS to be featured, email Rick Shields. Uh, no, should, it's podcast should, at rickshields.com. Tick it. We should like tick each bit of it. Yeah, okay, we'll start yeah. doing that. I'll mark it. I'll mark you. It was a good length. Stories. It wasn't was it? a good length. Good length. It was. Uh, this just sounded weird now that Jack's good length after he's <laughs> in the trees on his knees. Um but anyway, it was a good story. We might, we might not use this one for the podcast clips. No. This is for the real podcast listeners. The podcast clips are just all little clickbaity bits. Have we got anything else that could work as a podcast? podcast clip uh, oh this is a good one right so everyone listening this is going to be a, a youtube podcast clip rick got a question for you go for it what's more important when trying to improve um to gain distance and then work on your accuracy or work on your accuracy and then try and work on distance um what's the right terminology it's 
unfamiliar to popular belief. No, what's what's the what's the contrary to popular belief? Contrary to popular belief, I think a lot of players think they should work on direction, mm-hmm. distance later. Mm-hmm. I would disagree. Okay, I think you work on distance first, direction later. And the reason being, I think to build a swing with speed and distance is essential. I think then to be able to correct that swing and speed distance with club, club face control and shot shaping is the next thing. I see a lot of golfers who have learned to try and hit it straight, which is, by the way, bloody hard, mm-hmm. and then injected speed into it, and they've got worse. Injected speed? It's like a tailor-made ad. <laughs> injected speed. So personally, I think trying to get the speed up, trying to get the distance up, then working on direction. Makes sense. You know, if I was working with a new student, I don't care if they hit a 7-iron... 10, 15, 20 yards to the right as long as they're hitting it a substantial distance because to correct that 15, 20 yards right and left is much easier to try and up that 20 yards up. Cool. You're checking the time. I was checking the time. I don't think that's quite long enough for a podcast clip. <laughs> Joking. One more and then we might have to look at wrapping this up. This is quite a good one actually and again could work as a video. Um, so how about lake balls versus refurb versus new what's your opinion on those three so we've got lake balls we've got refurbished and we've got new talk to me um like difference differences what you expect to see well if i'm honest before we shot that video back in the summer Mm -hmm. when i bought some refurbished golf balls online from american golf i expected the refurbished golf balls to be absolutely horrendous yeah the refurbished balls depends on where you get them from and the quality of them they were much, much better than I expected them to be. Performance-wise, way better. The cover on them is definitely not as good as it should be. Mm-hmm. I think they repaint the cover, which from what I've been told changes aerodynamics and all this, but I didn't see any evidence of that whatsoever. They do scuff up quicker. Yeah. Ref- this is refurbished balls. I'm Out of the bunkers, now. they're terrible. So refurbished balls is where they've literally taken an old Titleist Pro V1 or whatever it is, stripped the cover off, uh, and repainted it with a new lacquer, basically. So it's not the correct finish you would get on a premium Pro V1 golf ball from the shops. But for the price point, the I can't remember. Twenty half price, twenty pound for twelve balls. Yeah. I think it was. Um, when I cut them in half, they were genuine Pro V1s. The question is: Are all of the refurbished golf balls out in the world genuine Pro V1s? The way to do that is buy a dozen, cut them all open, and see, <laughs> and then go and play. <laughs> But genuinely, that's the only way you can check it. Like even, I think, didn't I cut over, open two or three of them in that pack? Because I was like, I want them all to be the same as yeah. well. And they were. They weren't the new Pro V1. They were like 2015 Pro V1. Um, but they were. They worked. <clears throat> lake balls. I've got, a th- I've got a question on lake balls. Go for it. So, in theory, a lake ball, obviously, is a Pro V1 or whatever that's been hit into a lake and taken out, maybe washed and whatever. But I don't know the answer to this. I'm just speculating and just asking. If a golf ball has been at the bottom of a lake for 12 months, 18 months, two years, does that not have? will that not have an effect on the inside of it? And potentially then the washing of it, if you like, when I call it that, the cleaning, does that not have an effect? You would think so. Yeah, I actually I don't, don't know. know the answer I to this. I don't know, yeah. Because maybe we need to buy some lake balls and test them. Because <clears throat> lake balls, in theory, they don't get recovered they are literally, as you mentioned, dragged out of a lake. It's actually a massive business now, mm, you know. Don't like, there's guys out there making tons of money professionally diving into golf courses with permission from the golf course. And often what they'll do, they'll go and pay the golf course. They'll say, right, can I pay you 
five grand. I'm going to pick all your lakes full of golf balls, and I keep the golf balls and sell them. And golf course are like, yeah, okay, well, mm-hmm. why not? <clears throat> and they'll divvy them all out, and they'll bag them all up. Right, that's a bag of Pro V1s. Like I said, they'll clean them. They don't repaint them. So typically what you'll see is the actual ball that went in the water, scuffed, scratched, whatever it may be, they drag it out, clean that's it, that's it the ball that you buy. Yeah. So it's a, it's more like a second-hand golf ball so much. I don't know what the influence is, whether a golf ball's been in the water for a week, a month, a year, five years. I don't know. I know that they definitely go browner, because I've seen that, you know, when you find a Pro V1 mm. that's been in the water for five years or whatever... The problem is you can never tell how long it's been in the water for unless you actually calc- unless you actually put it in water and said, I'll p- come and pick you so back up in five years. This would be a good experiment, years. but it'd be a bit boring. We could actually get a golf ball, put it in water for like a year. Five years. And then come back and test it and see if it's different. Who knows? Um, and I, I know because of the water and the, the residue and everything else in the water, they do go brown and yeah. whatever, but I think I'm sure that can scrub off. I feel like you're probably more safer with late balls because you kind of know Less, what you're getting. Yeah. Um, compared to refurbished balls, because refurbished is a little bit dodgy. I think there are brands out there or websites selling fake golf balls that have been refurbished. If you can, I know it's hard. If you want a Pro V1, obviously the 40 quid a dozen, which is too much in my opinion. I think we've got a video coming out soon actually about Pro V1s. But you're actually better off just buying a a £20 Tightless golf ball, which in fairness does have a lot of benefits to it, and the performance will still be great for you going out and playing golf. It's just not a pro V1. I think there's so many more golf ball options now with all these kind of brands that are, you know, making golf balls that are on paper more similar to pro V1s. Yeah, that's the thing. There's a lot of balls that are cheaper that probably for most people are going to perform as well as a pro V1, but. Pro V1 has been the gold standard for 20 years and people know they're expensive in the premium. So if you walk into a shop and you see a £20 version because it's been found in the lake, people are going to still buy them, aren't they? I think your best bet is just buying them off the kid who says on the 13th seat your local course, yeah. yeah, mate, I've got some golf balls. Do you want some? And you go, yeah, okay. Oh, that, that's mine, actually. No, it's not, mate. I didn't... <laughs> no, of course, it's you were playing, huh? uh, Yeah, rough ones. Um, is that it? I think the so, last thing. Let's just give an example. Um, young John is listens to the podcast. Yes. And he listens on Apple. Okay. And every Monday tunes in at about 9am on his way to work, 8am, puts it on, enjoys it. What what should he do? What should he do with the podcast? Should he should he rate it? How does he go about that? <laughs> That's a loaded question. A little John yeah. should, obviously, once he's parked safely yeah. at his place of work or... Nice. or you know, home, whatever he may be going to, he might be going or to she. the gym, or she, or Juliet, little Juliet. Yeah. That's a weird one. I don't know where that came from. You're trying to think of a Jodie <laughs> yeah. or something. Then, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they might be at the gym, they might be at the golf course, they might be going visiting friends, they might okay. be, you know, going on holiday, who knows, and they've parked up responsibly. And they've finished the podcast. And they've finished the podcast, and they've turned off the key, and they're walking into the office, and they think, hold on, mm-hmm. you know what? I bloody enjoyed that. Yeah. That was, you know what? That was one of my favourite things I've ever allowed into my brain. Yeah, through my ears into my <laughs> brain. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Okay, you know what? I feel like I need to. I feel empowered. I feel like I need to do something that would potentially allow more people to listen to what I've just listened to. to experience, to it. experience the the state of euphoria that I'm in right now. <laughs> so I'm going to do two things. Okay, I'm going to tell everybody in my phone book. 
I'm going to send an email to everybody in my email address. Mm-hmm. I'm going to buy a billboard in the center of town. Yeah. And post on there, Rick Shields podcast. Listen to it now. It's the best thing you'll ever put in your ears. Okay. <laughs> Not um, signature John and Juliet. Yeah. Okay. What's more realistic than the billboard? What oh, so, can they do to help? Oh, listen, if you don't want to do a billboard, I understand. I mean, I won't think any less of you. I will. So maybe just give it a five star rating. Okay. Give it a review. Yeah. Say and uh, type out what you think of it. Yeah. And if it's not five star, don't bother leaving anything. Either say five, either say something really nice or don't say anything at all. That's my advice. Could you live with four stars? No, no. I'll block people. That with all four sounds stars. good. The only concern I've got is that um, little Gary, oh. he listens through Spotify, and unfortunately on Spotify you can't rate the podcast. Well, so why, why are you well, on Spotify? Why because, are you on an whoa, Apple whoa, phone? Whoa. True, but little little Harry, what he can do instead if he wants to be part of the team, he can share it. So he can click a little button at the side, share podcast. Oh, it's like it a WhatsApp rectangle group. with an arrow through it. Yeah, put it into his um, podcast, into his WhatsApp group or his Facebook page or Twitter and share the podcast. And you could screenshot that and send it to us at podcast.shields.com and we'll shout him out and say, little Gary is the man. There you go. So if you, either two options, I'm happy with either. Billboard in the middle of town centres yeah. or just pass it through your WhatsApp groups. It's your choice, everybody listening. If somebody goes and buys a billboard and puts this on, I think we should buy them a set of clubs. Okay. Okay. There you go. Can we can we actually put some terms and conditions on It's got to be a proper big billboard. Yeah, massive. Like, not like a little sign. That's what I mean. It's got to be huge. Or, if you do handmade posters and put them in places that are popular, we could send you something little instead. Yeah. If Yeah, if you make... From Pro V. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever. Okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. One picture sure evidence, sh- obviously. <laughs> make sure you share the podcast. Otherwise, uh, you're going to three-put forever. Hopefully, you enjoyed it. We're going to go and shoot a video now because it's sunny. We're going to have some lunch, shoot some video. It'll be out for your viewing pleasure very soon on YouTube, Facebook, and everywhere else you get your videos. We'll see you all soon. Quick Game 301. Why not? Done. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 